Does the national media believe in Miami's chances at success this season? Who are their biggest challengers in the East? And can Caleb Martin be a consistent rotation player for the Heat? All that and more coming up next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts, so make sure you follow to get the best coverage available. And as always, feel free to leave a review if you can. Today's episode should be an interesting one in between games here, trying to figure out whether or not Miami's success is sustainable. In yesterday's episode, I talked about trying to incorporate Jimmy Butler and seeing whether or not he might be able to fit alongside Kyle Lowry's fast-paced offense. The feeling is that they'll be able to figure it out. At least that's what Eric Spolster keeps reiterating. Smart players can figure it out in this league. Maybe that's the case. I'm not sure if Jimmy should be playing off-ball or on-ball. And we'll have to wait and see what happens once he and Kyle are actually able to share the floor together. Good news, however, P.J. Tucker practicing with the team on Wednesday. Seems like he's going to be available for their road trip to the Houston Rockets game that's going to be taking place Thursday afternoon. And of course, I'll be here to provide a post-game recap of that game. But on today's episode, wanted to talk a little bit about the national coverage of the Miami Heat because, as I've mentioned before, it's always very difficult to get a good sense of what this team is like, not just because, you know, the team hasn't actually played or done anything and they haven't actually gone through a full roster. They haven't faced a team with a full roster. So for now, we're basically using a really spoiled sample size to determine exactly how good Miami has been. They look great. They look fantastic. I'm a believer. I've been a believer since day one, but that's not to say that Miami can keep this going moving forward, and especially when it looks at and you look at this team from a national perspective. What do people think of this team? And of course, that sample size is somewhat diluted because you're looking at a team that was swept out of the playoffs last year, that lost to the eventual NBA champ Milwaukee Bucks, that maybe their offseason, while rated highly by general managers around the league, perhaps not as mm, impactful on the long run. What prompted this kind of questioning for me was a piece by Zach Lowe, who is greatly acknowledged or widely acknowledged as one of the best analysts in the game. And by his own admission, a challenge to watch all 30 teams, to get the nuances of what those teams are like. Totally fair. Every year, Everybody who covers the NBA, myself included, I'd love to be able to say I'm the best expert out there that I know exactly what I'm talking about, but there's always a good chance that I'll get something wrong because I just, I cannot watch 82 games times 30. My math escapes me. It's a lot, right? 2,400 or something around those lines. In any case, that's too many games for me to watch. My son would not allow me to do that. And that that being the case, you're going to miss things. You're going to have little evidence here and there of a team's strengths and or weaknesses slip to the cracks. And that's why you get some pretty choppy analysis around the league. Not from me, hopefully, but not necessarily from Zach Lowe, but from others out there that cover the meat, that cover the NBA in general. Uh, If you look at TNT's coverage, you know, basically that's an entertainment forum rather than actually providing great analysis or understanding of the nuances of the game. But you can chalk it all up to, oh, well, those are former NBA players. They know the game. 
They don't know how to talk about the game. They know how to play it, and that makes a big difference. In Zach's case, a fantastic reporter who's done his work, certainly does a fantastic job of covering the league and has done so for a number of years. I'm a fan. I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast are fans of his as well. Or maybe you won't be following this analysis. This is what he said as he ranked teams according to tiers. There are two there are two teams that are at the very top as far as his overall tier system are concerned. That's Brooklyn and that's Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee might get that nod based on the fact that, well, they're the NBA champions. They're the reigning NBA champions and they didn't suffer any significant losses. They look to be able to build back on what they did. Certainly a talented team. Brooklyn's strengths, you know what that is. And I, you know, even Zach acknowledges that, that Brooklyn likely to be penciled in as the NBA champ. The prohibitive favorites, based on injury and Kyrie Irving's vaccination status and whether or not they're able to continue playing 82 games at a consistently high level, they've got the depth, they've got the talent, they've got the coaching, they've got everything they need to move forward and likely be a strong contender, even, even if they wind up struggling with injury at some point. Last year was a debacle. Those three players... James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant rarely played together. One or the other of them was always out due to injury. Uh, it was hastily put together, and none of that mattered. They were still uh, a couple inches shy of being able to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, and who knows what would have happened by that point. They probably would have eliminated the Atlanta Hawks, and they might have even been able to win an NBA champion, um, a championship. Excuse me. So given all that, again, they improved this offseason, in my opinion. I think they're going to be better. They added Patty Mills. That seems like a pretty strong bet as far as why that team is likely to be the best team in the Eastern Conference, if not in the NBA. But when it comes to Miami, Lowe's analysis, a little bit more lukewarm. He ranks them in the second or third, I guess, if you count that, the tiering system between Milwaukee and uh, Brooklyn. But he counts Miami among those teams that's likely to contend somewhere just above the play-in level status in the Eastern Conference. And there are four teams in that tier, the Atlanta Hawks. Philadelphia 76ers, Boston Celtics, and your Miami Heat. And this is what Lowe has to say about the Heat. The Heat have the most championship equity of this group, but their shallowness worries in the regular season. Their bench beyond Tyler Hero and Dwayne Dedman is a mess of shaky veterans. <laughs> Look at that, knocking Markeith Morris already. Unproven young guys and one potential game changer in Victor Oladipo, whose health is an unknown. I expect Gabe Vincent to get a real shot at backup point guard and Max Struess can do some things. Deadman excelled as Bam Adebayo's backup. I'm bullish on a big hero bounce back. Still, there's a lot of uncertainty and minimal buffer against injury to Kyle Lowry, Butler, Adebayo. All Miami wants is to escape the play-in and dodge Milwaukee and Brooklyn until the second round. The Heat's offense will be hit or miss with a punchless Tucker starting, but their defense is hellacious. The trio of Lowry, Butler, Adebayo is straight up mean a human triangle chokehold that laughs in your face while squeezing the air out of you. Still, it would not surprise me at all if the hyped-up heat are at play-in risk in the last week of the season. Hmm. Where to start with all that, right? Not particularly bullish on Miami's chances this year. And I've already talked about the depth at some point. I think there's going to be issues there. I think there's also going to be potential for some good players to kind of step up and embrace that challenge. I think Vincent and Strew, certainly as low notes are going to be able to play significant minutes. Caleb Martin, who I'll talk about a little bit later in this show, I think it's also going to be able to play some significant minutes. And given all that Tyler hero looks phenomenal. I think coming off the bench, 
might be an early favorite for sixth man of the year. And that's this is part of the bone that I'm going to be picking here with Zach. You know, Bam, I'm sorry, Tyler didn't struggle last year, uh, despite the you know, wide perception that he's not quite the player or that Jimmy Butler hates him and that he's 75% out the door. The reality is that, well, he's still a pretty damn good player. He put on some weight. He made some improvements. He worked on his game, you know, being able to actually do so, considering he was just drafted uh, just slightly over a year and a half ago. And he's turned out to be a pretty solid player in, in that time. And I think that 26-point out, outing against the Atlanta Hawks shows that there's improvement there. So there's no bounce back because he didn't actually fall anywhere last year. He's going to be a really good rotation player. I think he's probably going to be Miami, one of Miami's top scores, if not the team's top scores. It's going to be interesting to see how he blends that and if he's able to stay for consistent minutes per game based on his defense, whether or not we show improved, you know, just athleticism over the course of the season, whether or not it sustains. Everybody kind of comes into camp a little bit better in shape. And then, of course, over the course of the long season, you lose weight. It's hard to maintain. You struggle with injury, et cetera, et cetera. That's not even to mention, of course, the COVID factor that kind of hangs over everything. Given all that, I think that Zoe's – I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when you cover a Heat team for so long. You start referring to Lowe as Zoe. Uh, Lowe's analysis is okay. Uh, I understand why there are concerns here. And you're right, he's right that there is championship equity here given that you've got you know three past champions and P.J. Tucker – uh, Markeith Morris, and of course, Kyle Lowry. You've also got Bam Adebayo. You've also got, uh, you know, Bam Adebayo, uh, sorry, Jimmy Butler. That seems like a likely strong enough team to be able to just compete for a title on a regular basis. And considering you're going up against Atlanta or Philadelphia uh, or Boston, a team that's kind of in sort of a quasi-rebuild, I think that Miami's primed to excel past this group. I don't think that they're necessarily going to struggle during the regular season. One of the things that I keep getting asked is, are they going to be able to trot these guys out for regular minutes? And yes, I think that's the case. Eric Spolstra has never shown a willingness to bench guys or to give them uh, a prolonged amount of rest. Certainly not during the big three era, even though those players were younger. Uh, Dwayne Wade's maintenance program notwithstanding, I think they had an eye on a finals prize. I, don't, I think they that team recognized that with LeBron James on that roster, they were clearly going to be able to get to the NBA Finals, and so resting Dwayne during the regular season was certainly a wise move. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Uh, I think they're going to try to rest Jimmy much more regularly. I'm not sure at this point in time if he's going to be available against the Houston Rockets. We have not heard any kind of confirmation from the team one way or the other. Kyle's probably going to get some occasional rest. You don't want to risk injury. And so I understand Lowe's concerns about the shallowness of this team and whether or not they have enough depth. But I think you're going to get occasional great performances from the supporting cast. I think if Tyler fills in for Jimmy on occasion – that's going to be fantastic, as we saw against the Atlanta Hawks. I think Gabe Vincent can certainly rise uh, to the challenge of, of filling in some minutes if Kyle sits out's game. And you also have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who can initiate offense. So it's not like you're losing much. And I think the defensive principles of this team are going to be pretty consistent regardless of whoever's on the floor. So I think the shallowness question is probably being a little overstated at this point. But you know what? I, I'll table this discussion for the next segment because I think there's more to get into as I get into the possibility of who might challenge Miami because certainly there are going to be some teams out there that are going to be making things much more difficult for Miami's chances to be the third seed in the Eastern Conference. But one thing you don't ever have to worry about being difficult is buying sweat block and making sure that you feel confident and secure moving forward. If you have a profuse sweating or if you know somebody who suffers from profuse sweating and has to deal with that regularly, 
we know how difficult it could be. You know, you've got to be able to move with confidence. You can sweat through your shirt, and sometimes it makes things very difficult. You have to change shirts on occasion. You never want to go out there with anything less than 100% confidence. But Sweatblock takes care of that for you because they're doctor-created, doctor-recommended. They work for up to seven days per use, and you can find them almost anywhere on Amazon.com. They've been there for over 10 years with 13,000 positive reviews, currently number one on Amazon's anti-presperant category. And you can find them at CVS, and you can also go to Sweatblock block.com believe me this is a great product a friend of mine's been working with it he's been loving it he just the thing is that he, he you know he used to sweat before he was worried about uh looking bad in front of his students because he's a teacher he would sometimes have to change shirts none of that happens anymore he's back with renewed confidence feels great loves the product swears by it and best of all he was able to go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code locked on and got 20% off of the purchase. You can find it over at Amazon. You can get it at CVS. But if you go to sweatblock.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get this fantastic product for 20% off. So looking at Miami's chances of being atop the Eastern Conference? I think that's the goal, right? I don't know how realistic it might be, but I still think that that's what they're moving forward with. They're going to be title contenders. They want to be as good a team as possible. Eric Spolstra is never going to take his foot off the the gas. I, I think he's going to be looking to continue to build those positive habits, right, over the course of the regular season. He's not going to bench guys, and he certainly wants to start building chemistry after the All-Star break because well, that's just what Eric does. I mean, he's always gotten the most out of his teams, Post-All-Star break, he'll take games off. I could see them, quote-unquote, limping into the All-Star break, just a few games over 500, and then from that point forward, they just turn it up a notch. All of a sudden, everybody starts to get a little bit healthier. Everybody starts to understand their roles a little bit more clearly. Maybe there's even a mid-season trade that all of a sudden boosts your chances from a sort of playoff team to an actual title-contending team. That's the hope. That's the reality we've seen from this team in years past, and I'm a believer in that this season as well. So we'll see how the first few games of the regular, first few months of the regular season shake out. But again, to my earlier point, Zach Lowe, not quite a believer, and I understand that. I, I don't think they're looking to escape the plan. I don't think that they're likely to fall that deep. I don't think that they're going to be an eighth seed or a seventh seed. I, and, and then if they were by virtue of injury and something like that, either they're going to go into it with a, a completely you know, fallen apart roster or somebody that's lost due to major injury. And if that's the case, then it doesn't matter. This year's a wash and you just kind of write it off and forget about it. But if, if somehow, if somehow there is a long-term injury to a player, say Kyle or Jimmy or Bam, because Bam is just as important as those other two, if those players are, for whatever reason, lost to injury or more than one player is lost to injury and they wind up falling into that play-in level category, uh, if those players are healthy and they come back healthy for the play-in tournament, I'm not worried. I, I don't see any reason how a team with this roster as comprised and back to 100% health or close to it by the time that the you know play-in tournament actually shows up, I, I don't think that they're going to be contending against Chicago uh, who else in the Eastern Conference? Toronto, another team that could be on those fringes there around the 7th through 11th, 12th seed. I mean, there's really only a few teams in the East that are quite bad. Cleveland and Orlando right off the top. Charlotte's in the mix, I think. Look, it's going to be challenging. There's no denying that. I mean, we'll see what the, the competition in Charlotte's going to be like. Again, a preseason game uh, on Monday of next week. But 
I, I like Miami's chances against any team. And maybe, you know, there's uh, uh, some PTSD considering how, you know, Jimmy Butler was stupidly locked in last year and liked his chances against any team. Unfortunately, not quite working out. And I'm sure that's part of what has colored everybody's perception of what this team can be like. You know, they struggled against Milwaukee. There's no denying that. They needed some change. They limited what Jimmy could do. They just negated everybody else. And, and there just wasn't an answer to Milwaukee's defense, and there wasn't a way of stopping them offensively. Who knows if things could have been differently. Goran Dragic, unfortunately, no longer at that point where he could make the contributions that he had once been able to in the Orlando bubble. That's bygones. That's in the rearview mirror. Right now, this team, as currently comprised, I still think of them as a legitimate playoff contender, and I think that they're maybe a piece away, or even more so, an injury away in terms of another team suffering an, an injury that might take them out of the running from being able to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. I am a believer in this team. I, I really do think that the leadership factor, the roles, the identity, the chemistry, all these things are going to be huge motivating this team and getting the most out of them. There was something about that Orlando bubble team that was beyond just talent. They may not have been the most talented team out there, but they believed in themselves, and Eric Spolstra helped them to get to that point. And I think with a guy like Kyle who fits so well, who just gets along and understands what these guys need from the young players who he's helping develop so that they eventually take over and become, I don't know, next-level players, just as they are now in Toronto, to the older veterans that he identifies with because he's one of them. He can get the most out of everybody. He can get everybody on the same page. All good vibes. That matters, okay? Yeah, it's great to have talent. You know what? The draft has shown consistently that quote-unquote talent is impossible to determine and define and sometimes you can be a really talented player that's drafted by a really crappy team with a really crappy front office led by a really crappy coach and guess what that quote-unquote talented player winds up not being all that good so give me give me good vibes give me some kind of mental acuity some ability to understand their role to get the most out of their team and I think that's exactly where Kyle thrives so moving on from Lowe's analysis here I want to say that among the other members of this alleged tier that he's developed here, I don't think that there's a legitimate contender here. I don't think there's a strong challenger here. And, and this is my argument. In terms of Atlanta, yes, they were able to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm never going to label a team a fluke, given that Miami was given that unfortunate label for most of last season based on you know the fact that they were able to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals in the Orlando bubble. Having said all that, Atlanta did take advantage of some injuries. They did prove to have some great talent. They are good. They have some real good shooting. They have a, an incredible playmaker and Trey Young, perhaps even an underrated Trey maker, a Trey, <laughs> an underrated playmaker uh, in Young. And at the same time, I, I just I don't I don't know that they're going to get the same boost from Nate McMillan that they had previously last year when he came in there and it was just a completely different voice to Lloyd Pierce. I think that made a huge difference. I think Nate's voice can eventually get drowned out. I'm a believer. I like McMillan. I also think he might be a strong candidate for coach of the year if he can get them to play at, even at a closer level. I think they'll be there for the fourth seed. I think it's going to be down to Miami and Atlanta for the three-fourth seed this year. Uh, I don't believe in Philadelphia, for one, because, well, it's Philadelphia. And for two, there is just too much drama hanging over this team. I, I don't know what's going to happen with, with Ben Simmons. 
it seems like now Simmons, Simmons is feeling the pressure of not getting paid over the first few weeks of the preseason. Uh, I wonder whether or not that's eventually going to be a factor for him. He said it doesn't matter to him. Uh, you know, not getting paid $8.5 million is usually a factor for a lot of people, especially NBA players. So I don't believe that it's not a factor. But as far as Philadelphia overall, they're a strong team. They can have some nice performances in there. Joel Embiid, certainly an MVP candidate. They've got other great role players there. They need another star. And uh, un unless Simmons reports back to camp or they trade for another star, I just I think it's going to be somewhat chaotic there for the rest of the season. Eventually, I hey, look, I, I would always want to go down this theoretical possibility here. To me, the Simmons trade gets botched. They bring in some players. There's more bad blood. It's just a team built badly. Uh, on the ashes, the the Indian uh, the Indian burial ground of of the process, I think, is going to be haunting this team forever. And then eventually, Doc Rivers just retires and quits on the Sixers, and then Daryl Morey walks away into the sunset, and the whole thing just falls apart. Uh, back to where they started a few years ago, back in 2012. Look at that. In any case, uh, as far as the the other fourth team in this segment, Boston Celtics, I don't. I think Boston's a contender. I'm probably higher on Boston than most people are. Uh, I think Lowe and his former allegiances to the Boston Celtics may have colored his perception, his perception just a bit. Uh, having said that, they've got some talent. I like the Dennis Schroeder uh, addition there. I think it's going to work well. I think Ime Odoka is going to be able to provide the boost that we saw from Nate McMillan last year. It's always great to have a different voice there. To have a, a, a strong, experienced, black former player to provide that kind of voice in the locker room, something that Brad Stevens never had. I think that's going to be a huge boost for this Boston team. I think it's going to kind of gel them in a way. And, and again, I'm a believer in good vibes. I'm a believer in guys that can motivate you and get you to play better. And that's why Monty Williams had success in Phoenix. I think that's why Udoka is going to have success this season as well. So they're a good team, but I still think that they're missing something. I'm not sure what it is yet. I'm not sure if it's front court depth, I'm not sure if it's uh, sustained health. I think Tatum is a superstar. I think Brown is a superstar on the rise. I like their additions of, of Schroeder, like I said. Ennis Cantor is a, a fine player that does what he does. And, of course, uh, you know Marcus Smart's always going to be there to harass the hell out of everybody, especially if you're named Duncan Robinson. It's going to be a fun team to watch. I, I will be watching them regularly to see how they progress. So I think that's a challenger. Among those four teams, I'll rank them this way. Miami's clearly the top with Atlanta nipping at their heels but missing that veteran leadership that's going to take them to that next level. I don't think Clint Capella provides that. I certainly don't think you're getting that from Danilo Gallinari. Lou Williams isn't getting that. I mean, he, he can get you lemon pepper wings. He's not going to give you leadership in that locker room, at least not from my outside perspective. And having said all that, I think that means that Boston is the fourth. I'm oh, sorry, Philadelphia coming up after that just because of the drama. They have the highest upside, perhaps, because of an MVP-level player in Embiid, but they also have the lowest ceiling, given the fact that who knows what the hell happens with this roster moving forward, and then you've got Boston coming in after that. So Miami, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Boston. That's the ranking I'd give them. I'm no Zach Lowe. I don't play one on TV, but then again, who knows what's going on? Who knows what will happen? We're all just kind of guessing here, but one thing you don't ever have to guess about is the great taste of Bilt Bars. That's right. 
100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. You don't even know that you're eating a protein bar, but you're getting all the nutrients you could possibly want. They're great for all types of diets, and you can get so many delicious flavors. You can get a mixed box of their nine delicious flavors, two of each. You can try coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, there's cookies and cream, too, a strong contender, German chocolate, orange. They're all great. And if you don't like one for whatever reason, a strong impossibility for me. If you don't like them, you can always give them away to coworkers, friends, family, whoever, and I'm sure that they'll love them just as much as you do. And right now, if you go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your order. So use that promo code LOCKED15 if you want 15% off your next order at built.com. And if you're excited about the return of football, then there's one place that you should be going to. That's Bet Online, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked on to get that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter. Use the hashtag AskHelloHeat. Keep those questions coming in. I want to hear from you as we move on with our season coverage here. It's going to be a great year. Of course, you'll be getting the same great coverage. Maybe even better coverage than you're used to getting. And given all that, make sure to follow the show and leave a review. Send in questions. Reach out. I love hearing from all of you. So please reach out and send questions, comments, feedback, whatever you can possibly do. I thrive on it. I need it. I, well, certainly will incorporate it into the show too, especially on game days when I'm looking for questions about what you may have seen that maybe I overlooked. That gives you a chance to be a part of the show like no other here in South Florida. And that's This is the kind of guarantee that the Locked On Heat Network will give you. The Locked On Heat Network? Sure, why not? Let's play with that. All right, aside from Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry, one of the breakout performers from Monday's preseason win over the Atlanta Hawks was Caleb Barton. And so I'm questioning, is he for real? Can he be a productive player, a member of Miami's rotation moving forward? I'm not entirely sure. He's 26 years old. He's already entering his third year. He's on a two-year contract with the Heat. So there's the potential there. He's played in a bunch of games for the Charlotte Hornets over the first couple seasons of his career. He's 19 as a rookie, 53 last year. Put up some okay numbers from a player on a team that was, you know, he's looking for his role. He's playing alongside his twin brother, Cody. He's trying to understand exactly what's needed of him. The Hornets were trying to figure themselves out as a franchise, of course, transitioning from whatever they had before without Kemba Walker to now, of course, the the LaMelo Ball era. Uh, of course, he went through injury last year, and I think that's part of the belief why Charlotte could be a stronger team this year is if he bounces back. That's Ball, that is. If he bounces back and is able to lead this team, I think there's too much of a variance there when it comes to LaMelo's game. That's just my take. In any case, when it comes to Caleb Martin, 26, really solid all-around stat line on Monday. 19 minutes, 11 points on that game, 4 of 10 shooting, 1 of 3 from 3-point rate, so not great. 3 blocks, however, 1 steal, 2 rebounds, and 3 assists. 
If the the per thirty six minutes from that performance would be phenomenal, he'd be averaging about twenty two points per game if he was able to keep that up. So right off the bat, I'll say look, Struess didn't get a lot of playing time. Jimmy Butler wasn't available. Uh, Markeith Morris struggled. I don't know how many minutes Caleb Martin's going to be getting forward. I think he is a rotation player, in particular because of his defense. He covered a lot of ground on those blocks and that steal in a way that shows anticipation, that shows timing, that shows an understanding. Uh, On the steal in particular, Gabe Vincent, no, I'm sorry, Marcus Garrett was guarding the ball handler as he was coming around to scream. Sharif Cooper, I think, made an errant pass. I think it was mostly a mistake on Cooper's part on, on that pass. But Martin showed great instinct and timing, and he understood that where the ball was going, coming, he anticipated where it was going to be thrown to, made a great reach, showed the length and athleticism to be able to cover that ground, and finished off with a nice basket, even though it was being challenged at the rim. I thought it was a bad shot. I thought he could have just held it for a little bit longer. But Martin wasn't shy about taking any shots that night, and he certainly looked aggressive as he was getting to the hoop. So I think that was a really nice play from him overall. The blocks, phenomenal. Uh, he, he got one at the rim, a chase down block that was incredible. He covered about the half court there and anticipated the layup perfectly. Uh, the Hawks player, I can't recall, Skyler, I want to say Skyler something. I can't recall exactly his name. I, I think, you know, maybe he, he kind of moved his body awkwardly as he was trying to corral the ball and then put it up. He thought he had a clear lane there. He thought he was going to be able to put up the shot easily, and then Martin comes from out of nowhere and swats the shot. Incredible performance from him. And then Martin got him a second time when he was shooting the ball from the corner, and he covered incredible ground there to be able to just leap and anticipate exactly when the shot was going off. Took a chance, perhaps, but it paid off, I think, with the new rules regarding you know, where to launch uh, and where to enter into a shooter's airspace and landing space and things of that sort. Martin might have to tweak that to some degree. Against He was, he was playing against effectively the third maybe fourth stringers and he's and sorry the the hawks rotation and so given that I, I don't know how much he'll be able to continue to sustain that but those were nice that was a nice performance from him defensively and and that's what you kind of want you want a contributor you want a guy to say you know what he has nba experience he's going to be able to step up he, he's not maybe the most Filled with potential, but what, what does that even mean, right? If Miami can somehow get him to develop, and look, he's a little too lanky. I think he's a little undersized. Definitely needs to be able to put on some of that Tyler Hero muscle mass. <laughs> I can't believe we're at this point now. We're already saying Tyler Hero's you know, a muscular physique in, in the NBA uh, you know, category here. As far as uh, Martin, I think he definitely does need to develop a little bit. And having said that, I think he'll be able to continue to progress and 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 grow here. I think he has a spot on this Miami roster. I, I really do. I, I'm a believer in that, even if he's not getting playing time, because Miami's coaches are going to do such a phenomenal job of keeping the lines of communication open. And that's something he probably never experienced in Charlotte. And, you know, we've heard this from Struess. We've heard this from Duncan Robinson. We've heard about how guys like... Chris Quinn and, and Karan Butler and everybody else on that coaching staff just gets into your ear, talks to you about what you need to do. They're looking to help you. Yeah, Eric Spolstra is this accomplished coach you know, with uh, five trips to the NBA Finals and two championships and all that, but I think he has set a good culture there from the coaching staff. Not to mention, sorry, Udonis Haslam, who also works with the young players, and that's 
That's a huge component, something that was absolutely missing in Charlotte, unless you want to count Bismack Biombo. And, and look, that's not a knock on Biz. Fantastic guy. I really love talking to him when he was with the Orlando Magic. However, I just don't think he has the same uh, what's equity maybe or credibility in that locker room as Udonis Haslam does in Miami's. And having said that, I think Caleb has a real opportunity for growth, mentorship, development. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have to be able to continue improving and showing defensively that he can be a contributor. And given that, then he'll be able to get more minutes. I don't think they're going to worry too much about his role offensively. He's not a shooter. I don't believe he will be. That can be improved too. Uh, I also think he's going to show occasional you know, spring and, and ability to get to the rim to finish uh, in a fast break opportunity. And we know that's going to be a factor considering the way Kyle is you know capable of playing. And so there is a role for Martin here. And I think he's going to be able to etch out maybe eight to nine minutes per game. Is that too much, too little? I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you all have to think about that because he averaged almost 16 minutes per game last year, 15 and a half actually, uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. I don't think that's sustainable. And given Miami's depth issues, maybe he can get closer to 10 minutes per game, but 15 minutes seems way too much. Again, that was a, a Charlotte team that was racked by injury and didn't have a lot of depth or talent and was trying to bring up young players too, like Martin. And so I, I just, you know, he, he played slightly less than his other twin, Cody. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how close he could get to that 15 minute mark. I think again, it'll probably be eight to 10 minutes per game, and he's going to have to be able to show out defensively if he wants to get increased playing time, and then just put in the work behind the scenes. That is huge. Remember, we saw this with Kelly Olynyk. We've seen this with other players, even veterans like Dion and James Jones. Jones, uh, James Johnson. Excuse me. They have to put in the work behind the scenes. That is where Eric Spolstra will will say, you know what. I believe in you. And I think Struess was able to accomplish that last year with the Heat. And I think that's why he's a believer. That's why they're a believer in his ability. That's why they rewarded him with a contract. And I think that's why he's going to be able to continue to get some playing time moving forward and more playing time, certainly, than Caleb Martin. But that puts a bow on today's episode. Uh, if you have any questions about the Heat or if you have any issues with any of the things I said or, or if you have any concerns about you know this rotation, Bring them up. Send them to me via email. Of course, you can always reach out to me via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's episode. And thanks to all of you once again for taking the time to listen to this show and making us the first listen of your day. This is David Ramil signing off for now. 